Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Right, 5 or 41. Right. right, right. We're in. I started. Oh, early. good. Good. Right, said so Fred. Let's go. Right, said so Fred. Um, is that a baldest joke there, mate? You, uh, you, it wasn't intentionally, but it is now. Oh, uh, not very nice. <laughs> We've got to start off with an insult, haven't we? Well, uh, we set, set the tone. We certainly started off with a lot worse. <laughs> Didn't we have one week? We had either, I think we started off one week with Johnny calling someone to see you next Tuesday. And we started off another week with like dildo or something. Yeah, and they're like, let's not talk about dildos. Oh shit, we're already talking about dildos. Yeah, yeah, that usually <laughs> happens. Like, seriously, we must grow up and stop being so immature. And the next thing we know, we're talking about finding sex toys in people's drawers. <laughs> well, I, um, Delan texted me last week saying that her dad was listening back to the episode. And um, I, I've never met a dad, but I, I get he's quite relatively proper. Um, and uh, I said, make sure you tell him to turn off before we start talking about sex dolls. Uh, <laughs> Did we talk about sex dolls? Don't yeah, at the end. Yeah, at the end. Oh, so, talking about your mate with the uh, thousand pound sex doll. My mate. Your mate. Yeah, you must know him. He's a bit weird. So. Oh right. I am weird. Not in that way. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm. I'm kind of in that kind of sexual deviant category. Uh, no comment. No comment. No, I've never even done it. So, what sex know? or a sex doll? Either. <laughs> no. So now you're telling me that the kids are actually the milkmans? No. Um, immaculate conception. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Divi- divine intervention by With holy, the... holy Lord above. <laughs> Jenna Mary Hadley. <laughs> um, her middle name is actually better than Mary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've got a feeling I don't know why but this has come up on the podcast before but maybe it hasn't I don't think it has well not with I've been on anyway go on right I'll tell you what let's let's play a game her middle name begins with C think of some women's name because it is a woman's name women's name that begins with C uh, Catherine no. Charlotte no uh, um, Claudia N- no but you're getting on the right lines bear in mind that I obviously think it's a ridiculous middle name uh, it's not something it's not really ridiculous, like really out there. It's like not an out there name, but it's just funny, like it's such a crap name. <laughs> she just walks in the room as well. <laughs> I think she's telling me the kids have just gone to sleep upstairs. <laughs> um, Clementine? No, that's unusual. Okay. Uh, so it's something along the lines of Claudia. Um, uh, pff, I don't know. Um... It rhymes with Mindy. Cindy? Yes. With a C. <laughs> that is quite funny. She's you don't a... meet many Cindy's, do you? She just gave me a scowl as well. <laughs> so she's clearly managed to deduce what we're talking about. It's a good job we haven't got many listeners. <laughs> oh, we're getting the death stare. <laughs> yes. Uh, anywho. So, um, where were we before that happened? Uh, talking about sex dolls. Oh, uh, yeah, because you said Mary as a middle name. Um, another fun fact, I don't have a middle name. Do you not? No. Weirdo. My You're name weirdo. is literally Brett Hadley. Hmm. I, my, mine's Peter, so nothing too, too out there. I would have guessed your name was something like Peter or it's Alan. My... <laughs> something boring. Something it's my, it's my dad's name. <laughs> but even he really... doesn't go by it. He goes by his middle name. <laughs> it's that boring. <laughs> yeah, well. 
Uh, there we go. How are you anyway, my dear friend? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, yeah, just cracking on, you know. Um, we found, uh, so Nala can go out for walks now. She's had her jab. She's waited a week and all that. So um, we managed to, we've always seen this bit of a field down at the bottom of our estate by the big Tesco. And uh, we said today, because oh, to walk down to it, it that would be a walk in itself, a walking down and then walking back up because she's not allowed to go out for that long and a little leg soon tighter. So, uh, so what we did was we, we we drove down the road in the car, pulled up by this field and got out. A little bit naughty, but we kind of thought, well, you know, if it was us walking, because you're not supposed to drive to take your dog for a walk. Um, you're, allowed no. to, you're allowed to drive now to exercise, aren't you? As long as you're... Are you allowed to now? Yeah, yeah as long as you're... I'm going to make sure I get this the right way around. It's something like... Because I'm trying to think logically which way around this would be. As long as your exercise is longer than your drive. Right, okay. So you can't drive... Well, you could drive 59 minutes, do an hour's exercise, and then drive 59 minutes. Well, no, because so. I think that still has to encompass only being out for an hour. Uh, okay, right. So, so I guess right, the okay. maximum you could do is drive like 29. Oh, 20, yeah. 29, well, not even that, actually, because you've got to get home, haven't you? Yeah. So 15 minutes, do your 16 minutes. No, I don't know if that works out, actually. 20 minutes could be the thirds, wouldn't it? So 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Well, 20, whatever, 20, people understand, yeah. like, butchering this maths. But. Okay, well, we, anyway, we drove to the bottom of the estate. So it's like a minute drive. Uh, and then we went into this field, and this field was freaking huge. It must have been seven or eight football fields long it was like a long thin field and um it, like, i just never knew it existed um and so it was pretty cool so we let her off the lead and she had a little run round and uh yeah so uh, so that was nice um i bought some 20 kilo plates so i can actually do some heavier lifting in yeah. the in, in the old home gym heavier i like the way you had to use you established heavier <laughs> so but at least i can get like sort of 60 kilos uh on the bar uh and then like with my big plates and then a couple of little ones on the end so like i was bench pressing sort of 70 71 72 kilos i don't know how much the bar weighs to be honest with you um the other day and not gonna lie it felt pretty hard uh which was good so um i actually felt like i was it was getting a bit annoyed with doing like 20 rep sets and stuff like that so uh yeah so no it felt good and it kind of relit a bit of fire and passion for training again which is nice so yeah um, that's yeah. probably that's probably one of the things people are su- I imagine a lot of people are suffering with right now in um kind of training during lockdown is that motivation to train when you don't have access to all your usual equipment um mm. we've actually got Harry Smith coming on soon and something that we'll kind of cover this topic with him so a little spoiler alert there but um one thing he did say on someone else's podcast um Richie Cohen so the health scientist was around like trying to get out of, I can't remember what word he used, but I thought this was something that stood out. I thought actually that's, that's obviously a really good uh, way of kind of discussing or communicating with your clients around kind of training plans during lockdown. And what he said was people shouldn't be wanting to, or needing or expecting to copy and paste their gym workouts into their yeah. now workouts because you just can't do it. You don't have the equipment. He said that's almost setting people up for a failure already because they won't be able to do it. So therefore they're kind of going to end, end up failing their workouts and then become demotivated yeah definitely and like if you're looking at doing the same splits say um using resistance bands like it's just pointless you may as well just do full body workout every day or every other day or you know a couple of days and then have a day off um because the stimulus you're getting you're going to recover from it so quickly if you've got minimal equipment you may as well be doing yeah just completely changing things up doing full body and you're probably going to get more of a 
uh, training response from doing something like that. Yeah, well, let's, uh, not, let's not, not dig, dig too deep in that because Harry's going to come in and give us all his brain gains on that. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. So hopefully that'll be out in the next week or two, probably just as we're coming out of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's still good. A good life lesson for you know, if say this we get another spike or um, if you're unable to train for a while or that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, I don't think we'll be going back to gyms any time in the next sort of month or two anyway. So who knows? Uh, yeah. So cool. Okay. So today's episode then. What? Well, yeah, how I'm are doing, you? I'm, yeah, I'm doing fine, first? mate. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 Well, you know. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Did you manage to, to rebook the holiday? Did you uh, get a, a? Not yet. Well, say not yet. So we've been liaising because you know how difficult it is to get hold of any motherfucker in this time. So we've been liaising only via email and responses are kind of uh, intermittent. Mm. The last email we got was pricing, which we confirmed said, yeah, okay. And then uh, didn't hear anything. So it's kind of like, oh, well, this is price sensitive and time sensitive. You should probably be trying to get back quite soon, you know, yeah, yeah. hopefully same day type of thing. But nope. So no, not, not as far as we're aware, not booked. So this okay. is for Johnny's wedding for people that. Yeah. yeah. Johnny is still alive. He, uh, He's just making all the toilet roll for the whole world. So well, this is this is exactly why. So basically, you toilet roll holders out hoarders out there, um, if you're upset, Johnny's on the podcast. Blame yourself because <laughs> you're hoarding so much toilet roll, and obviously supermarkets are then very low on stock. He's having to literally sit there and hand stitch it all, <laughs> <laughs> like every little paper fiber. He's having to get it, put it all together, and make Keep as much together. toilet roll. <laughs> Yeah, you've got all the uh, the ladies at home making scrub bags and scrubs and stuff, and Johnny's at home pleating toilet roll. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it, like Johnny, I I joked around. Someone's actually asked where Johnny is. Uh, someone did. Mel, Mel Fudge. She said, "Where's Johnny?" I Superstar hope it, listener, Mel. Yeah, well, I hope it wasn't because he, she, he's like obviously the the quality and the gold on this podcast, and, <laughs> and therefore the quality is dramatically reduced since he's been gone. So uh, yeah, that's why uh, we've now got no listeners. We went from three to none. <laughs> Mel, please come back, Mel. Um, speaking of listeners, before I kind of just roughly update what else has been going on in my life, but um, we did have a lovely message from Lauren Carruthers, um, a listener, saying that she just wants to say, and I'll, I'll read this out. Just want to say I really appreciate your podcast, and also thoroughly enjoyed the two jazzy in between us reference. <laughs> so I was uh, most pleased with that message. That she's nice. from New Zealand, isn't she? I believe she is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. International following. So um, yeah, that was. Uh, I like the fact that is uh, someone appreciated that reference because it's one I very much appreciate as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is one I try and use as much in life as possible. Too jazzy. Too jazzy. <laughs> I actually thought it was too jazzy for you, but from obviously watching the clip back, that is entirely wrong. It is just too jazzy. Just too, too jazzy. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was like yeah. too jazzy for you. No, no, that accent is questionable. Borderline racist. (laughs) Hold on, he is Asian or Indian. I thought he was Welsh. Well, you you would say that on my accent. I'm quite good at accents, especially my Welsh. Johnny Johnny has said enough times that my Welsh is pretty good. uh, If you can nail like the words with a Welsh accent, like the like the phrases and stuff. What like Uh, what like whose coat is that jacket? I'll be there in a minute now. I'll be there in a minute. What was the other one I did? Uh, See those two houses? Mine's the one in the middle. (laughs) 
truth but both of those phrases uh are, both of those phrases are phrases i have heard from a welsh man's mouth personally <laughs> in person so not made up not fictitious that got me that got me yes. so yes anyway um so thank you lauren that is much appreciated uh, for anyone else that listening enjoy it please get in touch and let us know because sometimes it's funny to, to kind of talking to ourselves like having a chat on the phone to your mate and no one else actually tells us if it's any good so um yeah uh so yeah nothing else has really been going on a few people that i've kind of had um social uh, or virtual social uh interaction with over the past i don't know week or two i've asked like how you are and things and i've said yeah i'm fine actually to be honest i'm great and like but that feels like a bit of a extreme or like a like a, a strongly positive response bear in mind the current situation of the pandemic and we're all in lockdown and most people should, you know, consider themselves being miserable. Um, however, when you are an antisocial p- people hater like myself, this is great. <laughs> I've got a home gym. I like routine. You know, my wife is looking after my children all day while I work. So kind of like, well, I'm loving life. This is brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so many people, have, especially like I'm quite enjoying the Russell Howard um, yeah. thing on Sky One. Yeah. is a home time thing and uh, when he speaks to quite a few of the comedians because they're all sort of like recluses <laughs> they're all like this is this is really normal this is like a normal day for me yeah nothing, <laughs> uh, nothing, bit really like bear in mind that like uh, homework officially anyway um not much has changed pretty much yeah. the same so yeah yeah so, it's uh yeah that's right it, it, it's kind of different for me i suppose a bit but not hugely like i'm still going out monday to friday there's just i know there's no chance of me working weekends at the moment which is nice um and instead of going to the shops i'm still going to the shops but just taking stuff out of them instead of talking to staff and dealing with staff and stuff so yeah it, it's been quite uh not having to deal with staff since furloughing everybody it's been, it's kind of been a little bit nice actually and <laughs> not having that kind of people management um so yeah yes so um yeah nothing much else going on not that people want to know i'm through this will be four weeks into a diet break from this week weight is most first couple of weeks stayed stable um start to creep up a bit on average like by i don't know half a pound or something over the third week but uh, i'll may probably put that down less to my actions and more just kind of random randomness so i won't be making any adjustments anytime soon on that um training is obviously still the same um what am i now third week of my mezzo cycle of my latest mezzo so uh nothing really too exciting to talk about really not that river much is with training i'm quite consistent in the job yeah Yeah. quite consistent given your home gym not really many excuses not to kind of just keep banking those pennies as you say so (laughs) when uh dan mack post put a thing on his instagram stories uh about somebody moaning that they got a home gym and they were moaning that they're like struggling for exercise variation um and he's like you've got the most equipped gym out of anybody and all this and i was like are you talking about brett again <laughs> probably i did speak to him about home gym earlier today actually and it, uh, I, I, said, I, I said something like, i'm so glad i've got a home gym and he said i'm glad you have too <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. well that could have been a reference to how small i am and that he feels that i need to continually train still to get bigger and still never be as big as him. Still never be. No, well, yeah, unfortunately. But he does drugs, so I don't care. <laughs> sure, do you reckon people are going to believe that now? And they're all going to say, Dan, do you take drugs? Is, yeah, that's it. You've now um, 
you, you've now I've now tarnished his reputation. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's, yeah. For, he's now going to forever be known as PED Dan. <laughs> well, never, no longer be in love with him uh, no she still will she's obsessed uh, anywho right we're 50 minutes in and this is the phone call to Ed show right I mean this is actually a nutrition podcast so we will talk about something t- uh, of value today so this week's episode uh, is probably going to be quite qualitative we trying to I'm trying to create a little bit of a, uh, a segue didn't work very well anyway so the <laughs> I've basically had a few discussions of late, and we've obviously discussed internally as well, around kind of coaching styles. One thing I thought, or we thought, might be useful to kind of get or muse about or get some ideas and just kind of let them out into the world, just a little chat, say, about the types of coaching styles, more specifically around how my kind of, uh, I suppose, opinion on coaching styles has changed over time and how kind of more recently I've started to gravitate more towards the qualitative type of coaching um compared to kind of something more quantitative so we've we've kind of used those two terms qualitative qualitative that's really hard to say qualitative and quantitative especially when you have to say them together qualitative and quantitative um in on the podcast before and i guess when we say that we mean kind of almost more habit based nutrition versus kind of more strict tracking style nutrition or tracking methods almost like as a as a rough guide to kind of what they mean yeah i think you can quite easily like the easiest way of getting somebody to lose weight is get a macro tracking uh for, for a lot the of most accurate i'm not gonna say yeah, easy. yeah 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 i don't okay, think that's what yeah, you meant because yeah. obviously sometimes for a lot of people tracking can be very hard because yeah, 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 yeah. that for, it may not necessarily teach any levels of adherence. Exactly. So, yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? Is it you can quite easily get stuck in a, uh, right, this is the kind of the way, this is how we do it, this is the way to do it. Even though you're doing loads of other stuff on the site, like with it and trying to build habits and all that sort of stuff around it, it is quite easy. And if you look back at all the clients you've ever worked with, you can probably say, uh, I don't know, probably like eight out of ten have probably tracked with me at, sort of like at some point, whether it was the whole time or bits of it or um mm-hmm. so and i bet a lot of nutrition coaches are in a sort of similar similar boat to that unless you work on like holistic things or you completely are like a, a mindful eating coach or things like that um and then kind of how you sort of box yourself i suppose um so yeah i think you can quite easily get uh not stuck in the stuck in doing it but i think it's quite yeah um it's, it's the it's, i think the maybe it's what you're trying to say is for a from a coach's perspective it can sometimes be the easier coaching option mm-hmm. in in that obviously there's there and there are extremes of that in terms of you know you've got your typical macro coach that has just ripped a, a macro calculator off the internet and just given everyone macro plans so there you go go and eat it or even just create a meal plan off of that macro plan and said right eat these foods which is obviously isn't coaching at all that is no. essentially just giving out some some information numbers people who don't understand nutrition don't understand people they might understand calories and macros and what you need to do to lose weight but they don't understand people and how people work and how people react Uh um and i think you definitely get that with like your instagram coaches um obviously we all use instagram as a platform but the ones who are like "Eh, look at my abs all the time yeah yeah. you're 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 using the term instagram coach not as a coach on instagram as in a specific type of person that happens to use like generally uses social media to advertise their 
their services and yeah, yeah don't don't really have any qualifications or skills in in actual people or nutrition coaching and more just you know they're in good shape they can generate a large audience but know nothing about how to coach people yeah and you see this buy a lot my with, meal plan yeah yeah you see this a hell of a lot with people who like got decent bodies they've done a bikini show or a bodybuilding show and they go right okay well i obviously know everything now because i look amazing and all this and all this i've got a little bronze statue of a person on my mantelpiece um and then you, you do see it you start to see this people asking them questions so they then think oh well i could do coaching and then all of a sudden they've like got a logo and stuff like that and like i'm, I'm watching somebody do it at the moment just like and then they're starting to post uh stories of them in like me they've done a bit of kind of what we've sort of done i suppose like with a bit of a conglomerate of coaches um and you just like like have you even done any sort of basic course in nutrition or anything to be able to help people um, the, and, thing, the thing yeah. is for that and i know this is maybe slightly off topic although kind of linked but i think do, doing a nutrition course is great but that specific nutrition course needs to like to be a good coach needs to have some level of kind of behavioral aspects practical aspects and not just be kind of theory or like physiological based because obviously there are lots of um degrees in nutrition in in kind of like sports nutrition in lots of the sports sciences that type of stuff which are great in terms of from a um a knowledge phys- and, knowledge and physio- yeah. physio- physiological perspective in terms of how things work what it doesn't do is tell you how do you take that and put it practically into getting someone to do it or kind of working with human beings that are flawed that is obviously a much more difficult thing. So there, and obviously there, there are different levels or types of courses out there that will either give the, give coaches that skill to work better with people or to not give them that skill and just know all the, the kind of textbook answers on stuff. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good coach. Yeah, exactly. Like I can completely attest to that because went to university, did sports science and we did nutrition modules and like because it was all so sport related, I've used it a couple of bits with clients and stuff that are sort of like athletes or whatever, and um, and use some of those like nuggets that you learn there. But you, they don't teach you anything on how to to deal with clients, how to deal with people, how to you know really put it into practice in the world as well. Like um, so, you kind of have to then do that sort of side of your own. I think that's why like having done. Uh, oh God, four or five different nutrition courses now not including university <clears throat> um, by far the only one that has really done the client stuff with is, is MNU um, when I did BTN that was just knowledge 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 yes there was a few case study things in the exam at the end but there was no, no kind of this is how you should be working with clients and this this and this it was all just knowledge stuff uh, I did another BTN one which is exactly the same uh, when I did the there was a sports supplements one again that was it sort of told you how to implement things with clients but not really how to kind of like get buy-in with your clients and, and that sort of stuff so again it was just like a very like textbook heavy knowledge heavy thing cracking course but didn't really teach you how to work with clients whereas the mnu one with the case study days and all that sort of stuff it really really did help with applying the knowledge uh, yeah just becoming a practitioner and not just someone that knows something about you know anything to do with nutrition yeah yeah something fancy then like knowing something about gluconeogenesis and the Krebs cycle and yeah quite often your smartest people are the worst coaches as well because they're just or like the worst teachers like the smartest people are the worst teachers they always say because they just they they know it all but they don't know how to convert it to layman's to teach it to somebody who doesn't know Um, certainly the best teachers are people that can take really complex information and make it sound simple Mm. 
And you have to understand that to be able to do that as well on the flip side. So, yeah. so I guess like a lot of this conversation has come from the the fact that, as I say, my mentality around the 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 best. And I and I, I kind of use an air quotes when I say that the best coaching styles are, are probably a lot of the more qualitative stuff rather than the kind of the the tracking based stuff or quantitative things. Um, purely because I think they lend themselves better to to better success over like longer periods. So I guess like I've asked one of my clients re- like recently around, do you see yourself tracking food for the rest of your life now? 99.9% of people are probably always going to answer that question with, well, no, no. Yeah, you can't often get the... There was a thing that went around on Facebook a while ago where of lots of coaches posting saying, if you can't see yourself doing what you're doing now in six weeks' time or six months' time, then it's not the diet for you. And I suppose there's like a slight element to that. But also when you say diet, everyone just thinks fat loss. Whereas when we talk about diet, a lot of the time we're talking about the food you're eating and the habits you have around food um so yeah, in that yeah. sort of sense yeah. i mean i mean they, they, obviously i guess that 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 type of sentence around diet diet for the rest of your life is kind of more around like adherence and that the likelihood is if if you're doing something that you can't stick to your diet's not going to be successful if you are talking about weight loss and i suppose there is some sentiment like you say in that but it's more around like, well, actually, there are some scenarios where you don't need to do things the rest of your life. Like you look, took like, like some sort of rapid weight loss plan that is very severe, very restrictive, but gets fantastic results. That doesn't mean it's bad because you can't stick to it. You're not supposed to stick to it. Like mm-hmm. a rapid weight loss plan is not meant to be sustainable. It's meant to be a phase and a period. The idea is you don't have education and a get out plan for whatever is comes after that phase, like a maintenance phase or, you know, a transition to a, a, a less severe restrictive diet or whatever that is. So I guess those sort of sentences are a bit reductionist when they, when people say, Oh, don't do something that you can't stick to your rest of life. Cause actually there's, this far more nuanced than that. Like don't yeah, diet like, in full stop. Yeah. Like we spoke about cruising and digging and like go hard for a few weeks and knees off for a week, go hard for a few weeks and like as a method of dieting. But I suppose you have to look at how you can then ease out of that into something sustainable because if you, like when people talk about yo-yo dieting and they are they're, they're on something quite rapid as you've just mentioned and then they they go off it but and then they don't have that kind of secondary plan of what to do to maintain uh then they'll put the weight back on and then they'll be they'll be on something new it's like the old oprah winfrey thing when um she she lost a couple of stone and then put say she lost like two stone and then she was putting three stone back on and then she was losing three stone and putting four stone back on and she just went into such a cycle of doing different diets and different things um yeah it, you can kind of you are ending up dieting them for life but yo-yo dieting off and on off and on if you don't have that that maintenance plan or that kind of habit change and that sort of stuff and that's i think what's really really important yeah so just on like the the quantitative stuff so just tracking kind of methods they are obviously have some use for a lot of people and certainly like you say most of my clients have or or do or have tracked at some point if not still do track i do think that the benefit of that is clearly around education of energy density foods so mm-hmm. if you're if you're tracking especially if you're using an app where you're tracking something in like my fitness power where it gives you instant feedback on what you're eating in terms of you plug a food in it'll tell you exactly or should i said in terms two in terms two <laughs> <laughs> sorry private joke. um in terms of the you know you plug in a food and it'll tell you exactly in like if you put in the food in the weight 
how many cows you've eaten, the macronutrient breakdown of that food, etc. So you're kind of getting this instant feedback, and then obviously it compiles that for the entire day, entire week, or whatever. So you, you continually getting the feedback, as well as getting like a notification say you've hit your protein goal for today, or you've hit that based on the the goals that you set it, or the defaults if you just leave them as the defaults. That's obviously really powerful because it does give you a lot of education on energy density of food, so you can then start to make knowledgeable and experienced decisions what you're eating based on then what you now know so you know full well that oh i'm not going to eat no, sorry I'll, say, I'll, I'll change that phrase so you may now decide actually do you know what i'm not going to have that avocado on toast post eggs on toast every day that i've been having thinking that i was um kind of eating clean and losing weight because i now realize i've been eating 900 calories every morning like having a whole avocado four eggs and two massive slices of sourdough even though i thought it was healthy so because you've now got this instant feedback, you may now decide, right, what instead I'm going to have is I'm going to have some Greek yogurt, some berries, and a squirt of honey or something at 400 calories. Yeah. Something like that. So that just, I guess there is an element of some um, validity in, in tracking and using it. I just don't see that something that someone w- would probably want to do longer term because there is an element of stress involved in doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've used it as a sh- very short-term method to as an education tool with a, not, quite a few not, clients it's yeah. not always short-term either is it no no sometimes it needs to go on for a lot longer and uh so like just thinking back to one client i had called scott he um he jumped on it uh jumped like we started tracking just so i could teach him about energy density of foods and calories and foods just so he was aware then for when he wasn't tracking that he could go right okay well i know roughly this meal now contains 700 calories um or i know that meal and so you know my next meal might need to be a bit lower or a bit higher or or whatever um and uh i always said to him you know we're going to do this for two weeks and i know it's invasive and i know it's uh, annoying and all this and he, he hated doing it but i said once we come off the tracking though, now you know kind of the, the normal foods you eat, you know roughly what calories are in them. When you come off the tracking and we start to just sort of use the habits, uh, like start building on habits and stuff like that, if you if your weight doesn't go down or doesn't maintain and it goes up, then we will go back to tracking because clearly you're eating too many calories still. And we kind of like didn't use it as a threat, but did use it as a bit of a uh, incentive <laughs> to 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 be mindful of what he was eating and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we use it in a, a lot of our free challenges as well. We, we quite often get people tracking in, in those, um, not with necessarily set targets, but just the fact that people are looking and going, right, okay, like everybody knows that if you're a woman eating 3,000 calories, it's probably you, you're going to be putting on weight. Like I think generally a lot of people do know that. Um, so if they're looking at that and going, all oh, right, okay, well, this my fitness pal is telling me I should be eating 1,500 calories, so I'm going to roughly go with that, whether they should be eating more or less. Um, but it gives them a target then and they start eating and then they start to realize like you get comments like oh I didn't realize sausages were so high in fat and I didn't realize avocados were so high in calories and you, you get all those sorts of comments of where people just weren't weren't aware um, they, yeah. they, so they, they basically the feedback naturally they start to improve their diet just regardless of what whether it's perfect or not whether it's regardless of whether they do hit 1500 calories people with the feedback will naturally start to do better than they did before. Mm-hmm. I think some, yeah. s- sometimes that can even be a bit of a problem when you're kind of trying to set up coaching plans for people and you, you kind of say, Just right. about to say this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can, can you please track? But I would really like you to um, really not change your eating habits because I need to get a real, real good understanding of how you eat currently. And obviously that may not be perfect and it probably won't be perfect. Hence you, you come into a nutritionist to, to ask for support. But 
I think it's really important we get an accurate view of how you, you kind of historically eat. And the problem is, if you get them to do it on my fitness pal, as you know, Ed, they don't eat how they used to eat. They start all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they've got the best diets in the world. Like, hang on a minute, why do you need nutrition support? You're, you're doing brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see it so much. And that's why it's really good when people have tracked in the past and you go, can I have that, that data? Because it's slightly more accurate because they haven't got that incentive of I've got to uh, make it my yeah. diet look good I, for the I, nutritionist. <laughs> I, I I encourage and almost ban the uses of apps when in those periods for new clients of of kind of setting up diets because I I don't like them getting that instant feedback and I much prefer them either using a pen or paper or notes on their phone just writing stuff down. Um, even if it means not being as accurate sometimes because you know what it's like sometimes you ask people for kind of like detailed descriptions including portion size and stuff and you'll just get yeah i had peanut butter and toast it's like yeah how yeah. much peanut butter how many rounds of bread that, yeah that yeah. type of stuff but, cereal how much but yeah. so, but sometimes that's better than than kind of them all of a sudden changing their diet completely from how they previously did based on you know they, they're using an app but anyway slight tangent but i suppose you know just going over some some of the other benefits and, and kind of why tracking may be more popular certainly to start with with either coaches or with you know clients wanting to use them obviously we've talked about the instant feedback and the knowledge and stuff which is really useful but it can also be quite a good accountability tool in that for the right people they will or certainly i'm one of these people as well but you can some people will find it easy enough to just basically override hugging signals and stick to a set calorie target for the most part yeah you definitely get like the numbers people as well who like spreadsheets like to see everything laid down in front of them like i've had loads of clients like this where they 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 need that sort of strict structure almost to data to stick to yeah and the data they have to have the data especially if they work in a job which deals with data um that's like a godsend for them um and yeah quite often when like talking to new clients i'll sort of say like how are you in numbers? Are you somebody who likes kind of to see everything written down in front of you? And if they're saying yes to those sorts of questions, um, then I know straight away that tracking is going to be a, a very useful thing for them. Just like you say, for accountability. Um, yeah. So, the, the, but, the, the, I mean, that, that probably leads, sorry, do you, do you got more to say? Oh, no, I was going to say sometimes that could be a down, like a negative thing there because they can get a bit too attached to it, yeah. which was something we spoke about pre, pre-recording. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just, I suppose, reiterate that part they might get attached to a number and therefore completely override hunger signals and basically feel like they're suffering because they know they can only eat 2000 calories but they're starving or it might be a case of you know like you've said before many episodes and we all have i guess is that we find ourselves restricting ourselves on things like social occasions because we can't find stuff to fit our macros and things like that which obviously has its own detrimental effect on well-being and health let alone just you know as aside from just overeating on a day you know overeating in air quotes because your my fitness pal says you can't mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah and what we were saying before about um people coming a bit orthorexic about it weren't they and yeah, and, yeah. um yeah so and, and sometimes it can be quite hard to sort of wean them off it um and say you look you know okay we, we've we've used this for what we needed to use it for now let's start to mindfully pick foods throughout the day and roughly stick to say 2200 calories but you know you know full well that if you go and eat a whole pack of eight sausages you're going to be hitting that 2200 pretty quick um and some people are like, oh, I, I don't want to it's like a safety blanket for them isn't it it's uh, a safety net yeah i mean it's an element of control for a lot of people in something that they can like ha- knowing the number 
that they need to hit and they therefore can control the intake that's something they can control um which might be cons- i mean it I, I depends on the perspective i guess um and obviously depends on the the actual individual's mindset that is doing it whether that control is a good thing or a bad thing because i guess there'd, there'd be an element for a lot of people that might argue the need for that control and if it's then taken away from you so if someone said you can't have my fitness plan anymore would that cause really negative outcomes in your mindset because all of a sudden you've got a lot of anxiety because you're all of a sudden out of this control and therefore not knowing what you're eating is is causing you to feel anxious yeah especially if you've done it for a little while as well like i can think of people off the top of my head now who if you turn around and said right you can't use your phone now for the next week or something like you go away or whatever and they can't they can't track um it would freak them out like really kind of worry them and and that so uh yeah i think it needs to be sort of used sparingly with some people but uh, it can yeah it can be a great education tool but um that I, th- I think maybe if you just lay it like uh, i always try and give it like a, a, pl- a plan of the duration of coaching with people i always try and say right okay this is this is my what i'm thinking this is the way we're going to do things this is how long i envisage certain things happening um never give like strict dates and timelines because if it doesn't happen (laughs) then you're like a bit of an idiot but um yeah if you say right okay we're going to use tracking for a couple of weeks we're going to get used to what calories are in things and then we're going to start to take what we've learned from that and put it into practice without the tracking then they know then it's only a short-term thing um whereas if you sort of say right okay we're now going to track forever uh again you kind of outlining that sort of allows them to adjust to it i suppose i think think naturally positions on stuff change i mean like you look at my situation where i'm where i'm saying basically my my kind of position on what i feel is um i've got to say optimal but optimal is not the right word i suppose what i gravitate to being more effective for longer term health and longer term well-being which obviously well-being is you know we've included all the facets of well-being not just kind of physical I, my my own approach to that is evolving over a lot of, over time, and I'm I'm kind of swaying to that. My preferred method of coaching is kind of a lot more like habit based stuff and a lot less kind of tracking based stuff. So you know, as even as my approach changes, it clearly means that some of my kind of goals that I'm going to then start to like mutually agree with clients, I'll probably be trying to push or persuade people to kind of those approaches because that's what I st- I'm starting to believe in myself a bit more. That makes sense. And I'm not yeah, saying that I would yeah. ever. I'm not saying that I'd ever kind of force or kind of decide clients' goals because you can't. Obviously, you should never be doing that because obviously the goals, clients' goals, should be the, the clients' goals. But part of a coach's role is to kind of, you know, fact find, find, find out information about the person, find out their needs, wants, and their goals, and then have a, a discussion and, and obviously agree between the parties what their goal should be. So, which does mean the coach has an, an element of discussion involved in that. So yeah, I think sometimes you have to. Like some people might have a goal of right, I want to look sick and get shredded, and it's like, well, you know, you're two hundred pounds of mostly fat, and you've got no muscle. So when you do lose all the weight, you're just going to be a lot of excess skin and not looking the way you want to. So you might then have to modify their goals with the client and say, look, okay, well, you know, I've had quite a few clients where it's like, I want to get really lean. It's like, okay, but you're currently eating 1600 calories so um and maintaining on that so we need to build the food up first and we'll do that by training as well and all that sort of stuff so you sometimes have to kind of work with them and say that may be the end goal but right now in the next six months we need to focus on this 
Um, and we need to get some better habits in because right now you're not eating any fruit and veg. Your protein is down to 60 grams a day, um, things like that. So you, you do have to work with them to to modify their goals sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, me- the method of tracking or not might actually also be determined by the the size or the restraints of the goal. So if you are getting straight on stage, the likelihood is you're going to be tracking at some point. Yeah. If not, all of any kind of journey to stage type of environment because most when when you're going to those levels of extremes beyond kind of your your natural or where your body naturally wants to be you can't really use many qualitative type of for, for most people anyway i mean there is the odd exception don't get me wrong there'll be people that say yeah i got shredded on stage to five percent body fat without having to track a single thing and i'm sure you get the odd person but for most people when you're pushing your body that far away from equilibrium and into the limits you kind of have to override stuff and the only way you can do that is by having something more quantitative like a my fitness pal or tracking mm-hmm. food to, to kind of help you do it yeah yeah but, definitely um so yeah uh, i don't know what, where where we've got to really in terms of what else to so add, add in. I, I i suppose like we've only really talked about tracking and stuff haven't we so in terms of like uh, moving away from a conventional way of coaching i.e micro tracking and then that sort of thing we keep talking about habits and 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 that sort of stuff so should we go into maybe some of the habits that you're starting to uh look at yourself uh, or with clients yeah or? well I, I suppose like when i even when i say qualitative i don't necessarily mean like habits what you might think of them as although they do in, do incorporate them as such but you know i'm not defining qualitative as right a habit-based approach so a qualitative way is a habit-based approach which means eat protein at every meal not necessarily even saying it's like that direct um i suppose what i'm kind of saying is coaching that my, my, my views now in terms of successful qualitative types of coaching is basically whatever manner or way you can get people to eat in almost like a normal manner but with some kind of structure now I don't know if I've explained that very well, and certainly that won't. No one's going to clip that and use that as a quote as a diet definition because that's <laughs> fucking terrible. But so we'll explore it a bit more then. So yeah. kind of what maybe maybe give a few examples or for different pe- types of people. Yeah. So if we were talking, say, well, um, so, let, say let, you were coaching yourself, yeah, and you were for because obviously you macro track a lot, and I know you had your period where you weren't, but um, what what sort of like what what sort of things would you be using or what sort of, let's just call them habits for, for, for ease, uh, would you be implementing to kind of move yourself onto yeah, a normal yeah, yeah. way? So, so I guess, I guess like it's kind of, so I will answer that question, but I just want to set it up in, in the right context of what I mean in that, um, that, that point I made around kind of eating like a normal person. So essentially I suppose that, I suppose that means more like eating how people would expect like a, healthy diet would look like in a relatively uh stress-free and kind of dare i say intuitive way mm-hmm. so I, I guess like the reason this is probably all really jumbled up in terms of why i'm speaking it because it is kind of like all of these little things that i'm thinking in my head are all kind of little influences that i get from different types of diets different cultures different cults almost um from like you know like bodybuilding from you know the anti-diet crowd from haze from intuitive eating all these different kind of realms i'm kind of taking little bits and trying to 
create something that I think, oh, actually, this is kind of like a a a good or taking all the good parts of all these types of things, and this could actually be a really good way of coaching people how to kind of eat for the long for longer term for like sustain for sustainable health and well being. Because um, basically, I guess like the the rationale behind that is like you know intuitive eating if it worked would be brilliant you know in terms of the definition of intuitive eating that most of us would think and not kind of like the more medical um, application for people with eating disorders so i mean basically you know the thought of that you can just listen to your body and you know that or your body will sort itself out and tell you what to eat and what not to eat and then you'll be golden you'll have a great great butt physique and you'll you'll be really healthy that would be ideal but obviously that doesn't work so i guess like if you can take elements of that but then add it in with other things like okay well we've talked about macro tracking you know if you can take that kind of idea of thinking about you know we our bodies and its kind of appetite regulation but then use some of the things that we know in terms of energy density of food so we can not only listen to our bodies but use our education on foods so like we know that an avocado's avocado's high in fat high in calories we know that other foods are kind of high in calories, so therefore we want to limit the consumption of those foods to a point where we kind of got a, a rough idea of how many calories we're consuming. And if you then align that or attach that with other habits of being, say, you know, take the mindfulness part of intuitive eating, where you're regularly checking in with hunger. So you can sit there and think about, right, am I hungry? Two out of seven. So I won't eat right now, you know, I'm not hungry enough to really work, but then, you know, you check in half an hour like, oh, I'm a four out of seven now. Um, you think, mm, yeah, I should probably eat something because if I wait any longer, I might be a six out of seven and then I might binge. So it's kind of like having those regular, like check-ins of being mindful, which then uh, uh, it, like also includes while you're consuming those foods. So you can then, you know, we we talked about with Laura Tilt way back in episode 10 or whatever it was, I don't know. Uh, where she mentioned around that magic unicorn space of when you're eating a meal where you suddenly become satiated and satisfied but most of us walk past because we're not mindful what we're eating so yeah. she used i can't remember what she used but like the example of like sitting there eating your tupperware lunch in front of tv and you know you put your fork down and next thing you know you're hitting the bottom of the tupperware and it's empty you're like oh didn't know it's all gone yeah she's yeah, like well yeah. actually if like from people she's worked with she she found that when she got people to eat less with with no distractions and kind of eat more mindfully they would actually get 80% way there and hit this magical unicorn like land where it's like, do you know what? I could stop eating now. I'm quite, I'm quite okay. I, you know, I don't feel like I need to keep eating this more. I'm quite satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that is the type of mindfulness in both kind of checking in with hunger, but also checking in with satiety while you're eating, which a lot of us don't do. But that's not like, the, so basically I guess like that's not the only thing we should be doing. We should be thinking about, you know, how much have I ate? Like, did I have a Snickers earlier when, you know, because they are energy dense foods and I can't just always eat to what my hunger says because then like a lot of people might still overeat and become overweight, which is obviously the issue we have with the obesogenic environment that we're in at the moment. So you do have to align all of these types of things in terms of the mindfulness, the qualitative type stuff with your education of things where is more quantitative, like tracking and stuff it doesn't mean you track it just means you've, you've had that knowledge banked and you, you know like you ed when you look at a plate of food now you see numbers right yeah, yeah, yeah less less so than what i used to when i first stopped tracking but i know when i'm thinking about uh calories and food i'm kind of being more aware of it say like i'm you know i'm feeling a bit fluffy so i just wanted to tighten things up or that, that sort of thing and then yes i 100 percent do and you know i look at it and think right okay well that's that that's that that's that um 
yeah definitely and i think like just such a well-rounded approach like you just sort of explained is is the way and that, that only comes from education of, of knowing all these different things it's just like having so many different tools and like in your box that you can use as well isn't it to, yeah. to, to make your day so, as sort of as normal as possible exactly and it's yeah. like they're, they're only like a couple of things I'm, I'm not saying that's like my entire approach it's absolutely not they're just some ideas of how you can take different parts and different types of diets or dieting um and kind of almost blend them into a, a sustainable way of eating i mean one of the other things i would say is like the the, the old pn uh, precision nutrition like portion size or like Mm-hmm. way of of counting or tracking method so that's kind of like a non-tracking tracking method because you're not actually tracking but you are tracking in some arbitrary or proxy measure by um like your hand size like the idea is that your hand it kind of scales with the size of your body and the size of your body has a good um me- uh, measure determination i suppose maybe it's probably the word ter- or determining factor of like how many calories you need i guess there's more to it because of the activity levels and stuff but roughly you know a, a man with a bigger hand need more calories than a woman with a smaller hand so if you can start to use their like hand method in terms of oh, yeah, that sounds dodgy doesn't it <laughs> use their hand method to start to determine like portion size then brilliant that's obviously another thing you can add so you're all of a sudden you've kind of added that, 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 that something like portion size um or like portioning so i don't i don't know what the fucking term is for that actually now i'm now i'm saying it in this this description i i always like that mesh method because i have freakishly big hands well, uh, which are out of proportion to my <laughs> <laughs> well, six foot body there's always gonna be outliers but <laughs> uh, well no yeah yeah, yeah no. but it's but it, it's yeah the, my, the my, principles let, of it are there aren't yeah they? and i would say i mean just for people that don't know like the pn the pn uh again i can't decide basically the pa pn calorie counting method that is non-tracking is a non-tracking tracking method um is using like your hands to determine the macronutrient content of your meal so a palm-sized protein serving a fist so if you made your hand a fist you then want at least one fist sized vegetable serving if you put your hand in like a little cup that's how many how many like serving of carbs that you should be consuming and then your thumb is like the size of the fat source that you should be including in the meal so again you can use that along with mindfulness and with um kind of like more the intuitive eating style stuff along with your idea or your knowledge of education of energy density of foods that you may have got from tracking and blend them all together and then the the thing is a lot of these things like sound really like, like brett you asked me to do all these things that sounds really complicated well yeah it is but so is tracking calories to start with you ask anyone that's new to tracking the amount of fucking mistakes they make to start with because it's complicated and it's only until you do it and get some experience all of a sudden it becomes far less stressful this will be no different but in the longer term like what's more stressful having to get your scales out and weigh your food every time you make a meal and then get your phone out and plug it into an app and then make sure it all fits in tetra style into some sort of macronutrient like fucking profile or is kind of just like having a very structured routine way of oh i roughly know i need this amount of carbs protein things look on a plate cook it i haven't got to worry about how many calories in it because i'll naturally work itself out by the time i start being mindful while i eat uh, you know while i kind of sit down and pay attention to my hunger cues while i think about satiety while i'm eating all of those types of things like for me that there's one there it seems to be a far more sustainable way once you kind of you know reach a level of mastery in it yeah and i think also sometimes like altering one sort of bigger thing then naturally alters a lot of other things so like um I when I lived with my parents, we was used to sit on the sofa and eat, 
um, evening meal in front of the TV. And since moving in with Alex, we always sit at the dinner table. And uh, your dinner table's in your lounge in front of the TV, though, right? <laughs> it's one of those little pop-up ones. Yeah, that you no, it's not. It's, it's in the kitchen, um, and we sit in the conservatory a lot as well. And quite often, like we'll have the radio on in the background instead of a TV to to watch, but um, or we'll just chat. And uh, I've noticed myself like realizing I'm full, uh, especially when my portion sizes are way off and I put way too much on. I just think, oh fuck it, put it on the bowl. Um, I'll eat it. And uh, and I do find myself stopping and going, you know what? No, okay, I'm done with that. Um, my biggest thing though is food waste. I hate food waste. I can't be doing with with throwing food away, or if it's like not enough to quite make another meal or a lunch or something, that is really really annoying. So having a dog to feed <laughs> with the the leftover bits that's that's also kind of help with that. But um, yeah, like just changing our food environment of not eating in front of the TV and um just being a bit more social at meal times like talking to each other and stuff yeah. uh, i noticed i eat slower um i uh yeah take my take my time a lot more because i like slower eating and i'm not so i'm taking my time and i'm realizing okay i am full and i am leaving food when i'm full instead of finishing it like i would have done before yeah. So, so yeah i mean that, that's another thing we like tracking that your body is kind of like dynamic it's not static it's not like if you're tracking x amount of calories every day you're not kind of eating to energy balance every day, like almost, almost never, like because obviously your activity levels, the way you move, and all that stuff is never going to equate to the exact amount of calories you're eating every day for a few reasons. One, because obviously you can't be accurate in your tracking; it's impossible because nutritional labels are not not accurate enough. Your weighing scales are likely not accurate enough to even you know kind of be consuming what you're putting on. You know, you brought up again before the damn damn meat trick he once showed you of tipping cereal in a bowl and how inaccurate scales are you know you can con scales into allowing more in a bowl if you do it slowly because it doesn't pick up the weight that type of stuff so it's, it's impossible to be accurate in what you're eating let alone then be accurate on what you're expending to then measure your energy balance day to day because you might do ten thousand steps one day you might do nine thousand or your fitness tracker might be wrong one day because you didn't wear it for a of time or you didn't move your wrist as much um or for whatever reason so to kind of like base your concept on tracking calories uh to to kind of like achieve some form of energy balance or you know an energy deficit is a bit futile for that reason uh, don't get me wrong like it is still successful tracking because over time it you know it kind of works itself out and obviously that's where coaching adjustment comes in anyway um and especially if you can build from coaching kind of this consistency in in habits that then will will feed into the tracking and and accuracy over time anyway but i suppose like my point is there like trying to to regulate your hunger based on an app is is probably not really kind of logical based on the dynamism the dynamism dynamism of your body being you know you should probably be thinking actually my body's got a very good calorie counter in it why don't i listen to that and that'll tell me how many calories i need today because it'll decide how hungry i am or not yeah yeah and then you've got to just be smart with that with energy dense foods and stuff as well yeah. like if you're sat there eating a tub of butter um and wondering why you're not feeling full then uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to obviously but, then use your knowledge of food and calories and stuff as well yeah. so and, and the awareness so that kind of again that mindfulness that uh, you know that also includes like awareness of like food environment marketing you know awareness of um 
if you're consuming hyper palatable foods all of a sudden you've got this this kind of hedonic style eating coming into play more which we know will then kind of start to mess with appetite regulation and potentially then make you crave more calorie dense and you know hedonic style eating types of foods so hyper palatable foods so all of this kind of comes into to kind of one big thing now it sounds like wow so much to think about and consider here and there there very much is but no one's expecting this to kind of be, you know, you don't eat an elephant in one go, do you? You know, you can break it up into little bits and, and kind of chunk things up and then kind of tackle one little bit at a time. So like maybe now's the right time to move on to kind of some a bit something a bit more practical to start for people to start to try. Um, so like basically, let's just assume like let's start with like you're a tracker. You've been tracking forever. Um, but, you know, you know what, Brett and Ed, you talk a lot of sense today. Not usually, but today you have. So therefore, <laughs> maybe I'd like to try this. So one of the things I thought we well, can probably do straight away is because you're not. I, I wouldn't necessarily always recommend people go right. I'll just stop tracking then. See how I get on. Because although you might try and implement some of the things we've we've kind of already talked about in terms of strategies and habit based stuff, you might also fail miserably because of some of the reasons we've also said things like lack of control or just kind of like inexperience, too much going on at once to try and actually be able to do it. So a better method might be to kind of just dip your toe in and do it a little bit slower. So like maybe pick one day of the seven you don't track and just see how you get on, experience it, see how you feel, start to use some qualitative measures of, of success. So like how um, like how hungry was I on that day? Do I feel like I ate mindfully? Um, just but yeah, that, those types of things because obviously it is very much a qualitative style stuff. So the the type of way you're going to measure that success is going to also be qualitative. You're not going to be looking at based on numbers or things that you would do if you were you know tracking and then based on a food diary and those types of things. Yeah, and even if you're mega renal and you you do have a day right, okay, I'm going to eat according to the way I feel and and all that sort of stuff. Um, even if you wanted to do it at the end of the day, you could just sit down five minutes before bed, just put it all in my fitness pal and see how you did. Yeah. Um, start with if you if you you know if you really wanted to. Yeah. Although, uh, although we do know dietary recall is pretty inaccurate, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Just just for just for um, people to be aware, because obviously we all forget stuff like nibbles at the fridge and you know the BLTs they call them the bites, licks, and tastes. Love it. Stuff. Love a good bite and a good look. Um, Love a good DLT. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, well, you could even do that just to, to really sort of satisfy the mind um, yeah. loosely. Uh, or, or if you don't want to do a whole day, do one meal a week. Uh, not one, or, or maybe not one meal a week. Probably not. I don't think it'd be effective enough. Do one meal a day. Sorry, is what I was going to say. You could do one a meal a week. Yeah. But you could do one meal a day where basically I won't track breakfast. Yeah. Because yeah. a, lot, a lot of this is more around kind of the experience of it is more important than really the outcome. And what I mean by that is like the experience of, of doing it kind of will help hopefully, because everyone's heard that that phrase, I think like experience kills anxiety or preparation kills anxiety, something like that. But either of those, those work in that like experiencing not tracking like a meal or a day and then realizing that nothing actually happens is like quite empowering for people in my experience anyway yeah 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 and just like not sweating it as well like not sweating the small stuff yeah. it just yeah i think um, i mean the conversation i have with a client around this type of stuff is like but i need the accountability of of my fitness pal to basically stop me reading because i'm a little piggy and like you know i like i like to eat so i know if i don't have my fitness pal i'll overeat but i guess like for me there does feel a little element there that there is some 
diminished responsibility. Like you're almost putting the responsibility on something else when you're eating to my fitness power, which I guess for, for some people and for a period of time is is fine and and almost useful. But I also feel like it doesn't set you up for the longer term. Kind of you come in full circle in this conversation of how we started this for for how you're gonna you know eat sustainably for the rest of your life and not you know for a short period. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it, it's just knowing that, isn't it? And kind of, yeah, like we said at the start, being aware of what you're doing and for how long and for, you need to, yeah, you need that normality, yeah. don't you? So I think obviously there are a couple of ways is just dip, dipping your toe in is by like picking a day or maybe like one meal a day, not tracking um, and seeing how you got on there. Or it could be a case of you just move down the tracking continuum of like, okay, I'll only track calories and I won't track any macros. And then once you're comfortable with that, you can stop tracking calories and maybe only track protein say just to make sure you get enough mm-hmm. protein but you don't track calories and you obviously use some of the other methods of mindfulness and, and those types of things to then help with regulation of other stuff I, again i would just caveat like our, our this is probably the easiest and simplest way i can kind of explain this our bodies are generally better built to regulate appetite on kind of like your quote-unquote clean foods as once you start throwing in lots of kind of more hyperpalatable stuff, appetite regulation does become a bit skew within a lot of people and therefore it will make kind of being mindful a lot more difficult. Now, I certainly noticed that. I think as I remember saying to you when we were talking of kind of the roundup of my experiment back in the last year, I noticed that the more shit food I had, the more shit food I was eating. It was kind of just making me crave more junk food. And I went, I went hungry. I was just eating it for other reasons. So I guess like a lot of this stuff and the qualitative type of measures you have, it's not a case of, you know, this kind of intuitive eating free-for-all where you can go in intuitively and then whatever your body tells you to eat, you can eat. Because there are some things that you do that you have to still be have some discipline and restriction of, i.e., you know, limiting the amount of hyperpalatable and stuff that's going to mess your appetite regulation up because otherwise you will end up being in the same situation as you, you maybe currently are. Yeah, and I think also a bit of food education comes in there as well, just sort of trying to stick to other rules like 70-20-10 with your single ingredient foods and stuff. And and using your PM portion control on top of it. And, you know, these are all layers of of stuff that you can layer in and use all together rather than thinking I'm using one or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're like trying to split up your week and thinking, right, okay, well, actually, I really want fish and chips one night. Well, okay, well, I'm going to have that on Friday. And all the rest of my evening meals have got to be from scratch, uh, you know, lots of veggies, that sort of stuff, just to sort of balance it. Um, and straight away there, instead of going, right, okay, well, I fancy fish and chips tonight. Uh, oh, God, we'll have that pizza and chips tomorrow night out of the freezer. And, uh, oh, yeah, we'll have chicken Kievs the following night. Well, then you're kind of starting to fall off a little bit with high-calorie foods. Um, whereas, yeah, you kind of just say, right, okay, that, that, that night is going to be not a cheat night or a junk night or anything, but that's kind of what we want. That's what we're going to have but I've got to make that fit by uh, by lowering the calories elsewhere. And I'm going to do that by having lots of veggies and reducing my carbs and having more veggies instead and having lean protein. Yeah. That's that's, so. that's more kind of like looking at an inclusive type approach of dieting rather than exclusive. So rather than trying to think I must exclude stuff, you can say, well, actually, I can have those fish and chips, but I also want to include lots of nourishing foods that are going to good for, be good for me, going to help me feel more satiated and, and kind of control my appetite better and allow me to then include things like fish and chips without making my overall diet context poor because yeah, obviously it's, it's the minority of your diet not the majority yeah and it brings in the 70 20 10 across a week as well yeah. so if you're yeah. looking at 10 meals across a week you know seven of them are really good like dense nutrient dense meals a couple of them are a bit you know 
we've got most of the nutrients in there, but there might be something kind of a bit more higher calorie in there. And then, you know, that one meal might be a bit more out there. Um, and it's just, yeah, like I say, just being inclusive with allowing everything. And that's more like you're going to stop binging and, and stuff like that. The, so. the only thing I like, the, the, the only thing I didn't think I, I don't think I brought up or talked about when we kind of started on kind of the positives of habit tracking, uh, of not habit tracking, of um, calorie tracking was around, the, the benefits that tracking things in my fitness pal kind of brings in terms of creating a structure and almost like habits. So some people's like meal timings and like types of meals and habit, like so basically even meal structures, so the way they, they make their meals, all of that type of stuff could be all over the place. And then they start tracking food and all of a sudden they're, they're switching to three meals a day. They're not snacking as much and their meal like components are far better because, you know, they've been trying to find foods that fit their their macros and help them try to manage hunger better i.e you know your typical chicken meat and you know veg and um chicken meat chicken veg and like potatoes or whatever you know what if you know insert you know easy default diet diet type foods in there and obviously don't when you stop tracking if you want to move to a more qualitative type stuff that doesn't mean that because you've learned these habits and structures and and these things just stop because you've suddenly stopped tracking you can you can keep them exactly the same and this is like the the irony of when someone says well yeah, but without the tracking, I haven't got the accountability or without the tracking, I know I'm going to overeat. Well, actually, why do you need to change how you eat? You know, you could literally just do exactly what you've been doing regularly, which as most people are creatures of habit, just continue eating that way, but just don't put it in your phone. Like mm-hmm. it could literally be that that small of a change, which is only a reduction in stress and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh... Yeah, you don't have to change anything else. The only thing that's changing is you gain five minutes back of where you were inputting the data. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to yeah. weigh your foods and stuff like that. I mean, okay, you might argue, oh, but then I don't know how many potatoes I have. If you've weighed your foods for long enough, you can get a really accurate um, like portion size based on just eyeballing it. Like the amount of times yeah. I put on my Instagram jokes around me like looking at foods and saying, right, I am going to get X amount of cheese or X amount of Reese's here and I'll get so close so so close to the, the right weight based on like cutting it and then seeing how much I'd, i i kind of got to on the weighing scales yeah or if you're like really worried to kind of ease off that you could just look at cup sizes and stuff and know roughly right a cup of dry pasta is a portion or it is yeah. 200 grams yeah. or you know. yeah and if and if and if like you know what, this isn't working because i'm you know i'm not losing weight here well then take your cup and do half a cup yeah, you know? yeah. Really yeah. We simple. use a smaller cup. Yeah. yeah, like I was saying, we're not yeah. saying you have to restrict yourself to one method here. What we're saying is take a lot of these benefits, these methods, and try and put them together. Certainly, that's kind of really where I was going with this idea of of uh, like coaching, but I guess the coaching there, and then the next stage on being people's way of eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just just build layer on layer, learn new things, read around different things, and think right, okay, what what can I utilize from that? Like when we go to these conferences and stuff like that, a lot of the time you get loads of different people talking and some of them might talk about things that you've never particularly looked at or heard of before and stuff and you can go you just think right okay well what can i take from that and how can i apply that to what i'm doing they're not saying you know they're not there trying to convert you to their way of thinking like when we first met laura tilt and she did her uh, mindful eating lecture um which was very similar to what she did for the on the podcast for us um, but she wasn't there trying to convert us all to mindful eating. It was just more of a, you know, these are the tools that I use with my clients. What can you take from that and, and, interp- and um, 
incorporate in, in your own coaching and, and that's exactly what we're talking about and what we've done here is you know all that sort of stuff and uh, like a big one for me is like surfing the hunger wave and stuff like that that's something i really took from there and implemented it in myself and try and get my clients to implement it as well so yeah yeah i think we're there mate i think we're I think- uh, reached the end here of over an hour i didn't think we were going to last over an hour today way bad spans spans time honestly i don't i don't know how to do it to myself um <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think we were going to go over an hour, but we have. So uh, hopefully there's a lot of value there in people kind of hearing us or you know us musing about different approaches and, and maybe kind of some of the mindset of where I, even some of our coaching or my coaching especially, because I guess a lot of this was coming from, from my idea, but obviously we're sharing all these types of stuff between us coaches, aren't we? So mm-hmm. are we trying to learn and adapt off each other? So Yeah, and um, if you've got any questions about anything or you're struggling with anything, and you just need a little bit of advice or clarity or anything like that, just let us know. Hit us up. Um, Facebook, Instagram, email us, info at nnncoaching.com. Uh, um, yeah, hit us up. Yeah, and if you want to buy any cheese, nnn10, eat lean. Yeah, and uh, please uh, like, rate, subscribe, all that shit. Please, we'd love some new reviews to get rid of some of the crappy ones that we've had. We've had a couple of crappy people um, my favourite one is the reasonably recent one of people saying idiots giving out nutrition certificates um, they don't know what they're talking about I'm yeah. pretty sure we've not been given <laughs> nutrition certificates I think it wasn't meant for us that review or it was very much a blanket review spread across probably multiple podcasts but um, those types of things are annoying so yeah if anyone wants to help us out and balance on those out and leave us a nice review we would love that thank you because it does help us get to more people it obviously encourages uh, better ratings and, and kind of more listeners means that we can probably get better guests on because more better, more better, better people will want to come on to our podcast. If we've got more listeners, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But we've so, got, we've had, we've had great guests anyway. Let's be honest. We have, we have, yeah. yeah. Sometimes the best guests on the biggest names, they're the ones that are, you know, out there and doing things. I know, and, I know. Uh, some, some, some of my favourite guests have had very, very small followings. Um, I mean, like, ironically, you think like, you know, someone like Joe O'Brien when he came on, so headfirst zero on his, on his uh, Instagram. When he came on, I think he had something like I don't know, less than like a thousand followers. Or something. He's now got like fifteen thousand or something since he's been on. So obviously, all because we, of us. All because of obviously it's our fault. <laughs> we, we obviously rocketed into fame, but no, it's just obviously like you say, some of the smaller followings have had the best things to say, and you know, I've learned the most from. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. On that, on that note, I am going to go off and mindfully eat uh, a protein bar and maybe the odd Reese's cup. Nice. I think I might go have a little bit of cheese. Mindfully. Jizz. Cheese. I'm sure that's not what you said. Well, you take it how you like it. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Right, see ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.